Well, I did my DNA from <gasps> a little swab, AfricanAncestry.com. I'm West African from Guinea-Bissau. I'm a Fulani woman. I'm so Fulani. I need to go. That's why we got the cheekbones. It's, I was going to say it's the cheekbones. It's the cheekbones. It's the nose it's and the cheekbones. It's the nose and the cheekbones. Look it up. F-U-L-A-N-I. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Cool Sore Podcast. I am, uh, you know, there's, I feel very blessed, first of all, to have this platform. Um, I'm thankful to God, universe, source energy for allowing me to be able to share the stories of women in black Greek letter organizations, as well as the cool bras. But today I am uh, truly enamored of the woman who is here. I, I use that word a lot because I learned it in sixth grade and you have to say enamored <laughs> of. You can't keep saying enamored with. Enamored of is the proper way to say it grammatically correct. I'm enamored of AJ Aquia Johnson, who is here. And she is a member of what sorority? Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Oh! Wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, that sounded, that, 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 that was. That's too much? It wasn't. It wasn't too it much. Wasn't, it wasn't. Okay. Definitely not. You know, my my so, voice is dropped, so the oop is a little raspy. It's a little, yeah, because I can't ski wee. My ski wee be like this, ski wee. <laughs> see, see, I try out. to get it up there. Yeah. And if you ask me to oop ski, it's a little, I'll do it, but it's a yeah, little. It's fine. Okay. How you doing? I am excited to be here with you. I mean, you know, I'm I'm honored that you invited me. And I said, oh, yeah, no, I got to go. I got to go see my girl. Let Are me, you kidding? Can I say, let me tell you this. When I first um, talked about relaunching the podcast. You were number one on my list. No way. Yeah. Tell me why. Well, at the time, you had just told everybody about this threesome. <laughs> <laughs> I told the world. You told the world. We're going to get into that. I'm sure we are. But you had been on Sister Circle. I've always been really a fan of your work mm. and how you showed up in everything that you did. It was always real. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I have always been um, really, really... Um, I was just appreciative that you always were who you were and you didn't back down from who that person mm -hmm. is Amen. and was. And so, and I resonate with that because I, I, I feel I'm real too. Yes, and you are. Real recognize real. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. No matter what colors you wear. No matter what colors you wear. Pink, green, red, white. Right. Blue, white, blue, blue, blue gold. Right. Real recognize real. Real recognize real. And that is what the Cool Sword Podcast is about because everybody ain't cool. Well, you know how what I've been saying, yeah. Because you know, even in, in the organizations, you know, every every member is not necessarily a Sara. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry. <clears throat> every, uh, del every Delta is not necessarily a Sara. Every AKA, AKA is not necessarily a Sara. Right. Every Zeta is not necessarily a Sara. So it's it's. I was going to ask you. I mean, I know you're hosting, but what um what's the definition of Sara for you? Oh my, we we're going to start off like this. <laughs> um, Can I ask? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, I like. For the for the people I call sword war, I need you to be real. I need you to be authentic. I need you to stand in uh, your truth. Oof. Despite what's been laid out for us, because when we think about the ideals of our organizations, that was in 1908. 1913, 1920, and 1922. 
women are different. Yep. From the women that establish these organizations. Absolutely. Res- absolutely tremendous amount of respect because that is why we are here. Mm-hmm. But in 2022, we are not the same. As women. As women. Black womanhood is not monolithic. Mm. I didn't mean for us to get this deep this soon. (laughs) I mean, you know. But that has been resonating. I was walking my dog the other day and I was like, black womanhood is not monolithic. Especially black sisterhood. It's not monolithic. I think at the beginning, we were supposed to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's, I don't want to interrupt you. No. There, there's a couple of things that, um, that fertilize me even saying that. And for, for newer members of the organizations, um, panhellenically, you know, I want to make sure that I say that, first of all, I pledged in fall of 1982. Wow. At Spelman College. Come on, Ada Kappa. Ada Kappa all day. Ada Kappa made. And I pledged months after I arrived at school and lost my mother. So now I've got this expanded sisterhood at Spelman that also expanded into sorority. So it was a perfect, the, the, the complement of my needs yeah. for sisterhood, motherhood at 17 years old was a perfect complement to the way that Ada Kappa pledged, mm-hmm. which was adding on to your list of what a soror is. Um, dependable. Yes. Accountable. I am my sister's keeper. Um, you know, nowadays there's not necessarily the same um, respect and adoration to we are one. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, I hope we, as as Panhellenic organizations, find some way to get back to that. Because what that taught me was, you know, you know how we do, if if, if you don't know the alphabet, and I do, that right. means we don't know the alphabet. Exactly. If, if, if you're not walking in sync, and, and again, what it taught me was all for one, one for all. Right. And I never lost that. Even when I left college and went to Hollywood, part of me even getting into more of the life coach. And I know we're going to get into that, but Mm -hmm. part of me even looking for more was because I could not find that level of sisterhood in Hollywood. And so for me, I was like, listen, Delta raised me. Mm -hmm. Spelman college raised me. So anything outside of that degree of commonality, that degree of respect, that degree of reverence of your sister, that degree of respect, that degree of accountability, that degree of I got your back for real. There's no knife in my hand. Right. 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 That that to me is what the definition of sorrow has been. So I understand after that, like I've met Deltas all over the world, but but I've met and I've met AKAs all over the world. I've met AKAs that are more my sorrow than some Deltas. Hold on. I didn't mean to. Hello. Uh, is this thing so on? So it's a spirit thing, right? Right. So, so when you pledge your life to service, it's not you pledge your life to 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 letters. You don't pledge your life to colors. You pledge your life to service. Come on. So if I'm serving, it doesn't matter what color you wear. You're my sister, and that is that is why God downloaded Cool Soro to me. Oof. In 2016, I literally was walking up to Top Golf to go to a party for my bestie. And I had on my Louis backpack. I had on a hoodie that said Never Sold Dope by um, my, my man, Keenan. Um, Keenan the Maven. Right. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and I had on maybe some J's or something. Some, I was like, dang, man, I'm such a cool soror. I was like, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> Light bulb. What is that? Yeah, man. Walked in, before I even went into the party, I went to the bathroom. I went to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and GoDaddy and reserved everything See? in Cool Soror because I knew that that was something. There was something about this brand that God has given to me that is a safe space mm. for people who may not feel like they line up with the ideals of what's been set for their sorority. As far as the stereotypes, as far as what you're supposed to be. And I realize now that this is an assignment. Ooh, because there are, there are certain people that don't feel like they belong to the organization that they love. Because of what, because of an unawareness of the assignment, not even, not the unawareness of what the initial ideals of what it was supposed to be, even though that should have transformed by now. Is this dangerous territory? I'm scared. Okay. It's, it's, you know, it's really interesting to me to hear you say that because I'm more aware now how Spellman was such a foundation pre-Delta. Like I said, I, I talk about, you know, here I am, newly motherless. I'm 17. And to this day, like my, my I'm emotional about it, my best friend who had my back is now my manager. Who's an AKA. But we met before that. You know, we met our freshman year. Wow. Dormates. So we were taking care of each other before sorority came into it. So even Pledge and Delta, who brought me food at night, who helped me study, you know, who made sure I was cool, who was in the bushes when we were lined up? Her. Yeah. So, so you know, that's what I was birthed in, in yeah. terms of what is it supposed to be? And so that's why for me, you know, my life has never been separated by the colors or Man, the symbols. Listen, It's been panhellenic for me because my best friends, since I was 17, 18 years old, you know, and again, I also feel, and I'll say this, when you pledge your life to service, again, it does not matter what color you wear if you're really serving. You know, if you pledge your life to service and not a chapter. Oh, I just said that people... You can't pledge to a you chapter. You can't pledge a chapter. You pledge your life to service. So it doesn't matter what chapter you belong to. It doesn't matter what letters you wear. It doesn't matter what colors you wear. If you're pledging your life to service, that's what you do. Right. And so I echo those sentiments because my my my, my college bestie, which we call each other, is a Delta. Um, she pledged the same spring 95. We're both spring 95. And, and at FAMU, both of chapters are beta alpha. Right. Right. Crazy, right? She is my dearest, one of my dearest friends. And at that time, she was my most dear friend um, when she was going through. And our, our processes were, were very different. But I remember, like, just being there for her and her. Because we had, I dealt with some craziness. And she did, too. But it never <laughs> changed. That craziness, girl. That craziness. It never changed our dynamic. And isn't that, isn't that what? our organizations should actually be be built on and represent. Absolutely. And that's what I hope to do as I mature 
in the organization. And it's so it's it's crazy because I've seen you do work in Ghana mm. with our Greek letter organizations. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought about, you know, relaunching this podcast, how I'm going to make it bigger. And I literally see you on Instagram. I mean, you dancing with all our brothers and sisters in Africa. I said, now that's a cool sword. <laughs> that is what I want to do on an international scale. Where does your passion come from? The inclusivity of all of us and that you took it to the motherland. Um, I knew that Africa was a divine assignment of expanded territory. I, I've known that for a few years. I didn't know exactly what the assignment was on the continent. And um, living a life in service, I started to investigate, you know, where, where was I needed? And my father, rest his soul, even as an actress, he would say, you know, when you go for auditions, Make sure you're answering the question, why AJ? Hmm. And he, he taught me, when you take on a, a role, and he was an engineer, but just in terms of being a father and mother, as I grew up, he would say, make sure you answer the question, why AJ? You know, why should it be you? Why should you be in this role? Why should you serve in Africa? And so even, rest his soul, even in his physical absence, I always try to answer that question in my work, in my personal, you know, why AJ? And so in Africa, I started thinking, why AJ? And I thought, you know, here is a chance to really, really make a difference under the title of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, where I'm already passionate on the continent. And I wasn't seeing the activity that I wanted to see from our organizations. Wow. I was meeting, I was meeting Soros. I was meeting the Panhellenic members um, across the, the continent, but I wasn't seeing much activity. And oh. I thought, well, here I am that I'm going to be an African who's back and forth to America. I no longer call myself an African-American. I'm an African who's back and forth to America. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to think, how can I be used I started praying about it. How can I be used? And so right now, it's just the initial of making sure that people like you and, and my African brothers and sisters know that I'm interested in doing that. There's a lot of us that travel to Africa. There's a lot of us that live in Africa. But I'm even investigating what more can we do to, to, to expand. Even as just an actress, I would meet Saras all over the world. I'd be in Australia. And, and somebody would oop me from across the street. Yeah. I would be in London. I would be in Italy. And I would always meet a Delta all around the world. And yeah. I thought, okay, so clearly this global thing is part of my assignment. And so how can I take the organization more global than I've seen it be before me? Wow. And so I don't even know. I'm saying that to say I don't even necessarily know what God has in store in the future. I just know that I'm supposed to be global. I'm supposed to represent. And I'm and it's not supposed to be because of my stature in the world now, because of my assignment in the world. It's not just Delta anymore. It's 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 the D9. It is. And so that's why I created D9 Unity in Ghana, because it's it's more than just a Delta thing. It's us. It's what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Because, I mean, you think about our founders and how young they were. Oof. And they had the, 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 they had all of this in their head. Despite what happened amongst, I mean, between us. Yes. They still, everybody had what they wanted to do in their mind and they did it. And I still love when you say, like, despite the differences, which is how Delta and AKA right. came to be, right? Right. 
what I love is that at that young age, they understood as founders, they understood service. Yeah. And they understood that it may show up different for different people. There. They understood that. Right. And I don't think that one should be, you know, because now it's like uh, they wanted to have tea parties and we wanted to serve. But I just feel like, again, you said it, it comes up. Service comes up differently for different organizations. Yeah. And it shows up differently. And then, the you know, and, and, and our mission is 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 very similar, but different at the same time. And I think that each all four of us should be respected equally for that. I think so, too. And I just thought, what a beautiful thing if all four of us or or all nine of us actually could bring our differences to the table and create this diverse right. unity. We really don't have time to be different. Especially in Africa. And I'll tell you something. Yeah, I want to go back to that. You not considering yourself an African-American. Yeah. You, you're, uh, you're an American that travels to Africa. I'm or an African, African that, that comes back to, to the America. U.S. Okay. Yeah, because okay. I'm there more than right. I'm here now. Yes. I'm in Africa more than I'm in the U.S. When did that change for you? Uh, I started noticing that I was more comfortable, more, um, more valued in Africa in 2019. I started noticing it without effort. Just who I was, who my spirit was, um, my passion, my my um, my urgency to learn what we're not taught here about ourselves as a people. Um, uh, our history is completely off from what I learned here as an African-American. And the more time God gave me there, the more comfortable I became with my truth. Mm. And I started saying, when I go back to the U.S., I'm going to walk in that truth on a global level and just see what happens. And what started to happen in 2020 was that I started to get acknowledged for my truth here more than ever before, but I kept getting full there. So I'm filling my tank in Africa and running around the U S and then filling my tank in Africa and running around the U S. And then all of a sudden God granted this overflow in 2020. It started in an overflow season for me started in August of 2020 Mm -hmm. with not only just work in front of the camera, but producing, um, Personally, my friendships, um, my my love life, everything shifted. <laughs> everything elevated. Come on. Um, as soon as I understood that I was really royal from my DNA. Listen, okay, listen. I just said this to my best friend. I was with her yesterday. I said, I'm the shit. But it took me forever to embrace that. That's because we're raised in a country that doesn't want us to know that. So we've had to, we, what we're living, I believe what we have had a tendency to live in America is a behavior that we've been taught. When I got to Africa, I'm walking around at the local street market. And I mean, the women are dressed like this. And then, you know, there's dirt and there's, you know, with gold adorned heads and and jewelry. And I say, excuse me, sis, where are you going? And she says, I'm already here. And I understand. Oh, listen, that's just who we are there. They're not dressed up. That's just the garb of royalty. The jewels of royalty. That's who we are. That's who we've always been. But we that that history has been erased. Well, that history was never taught. It's not erased if you go home. It's very much alive once you get home and once you say, so help me understand who we are, which is why I don't know if you saw, but, you know, for me to even have the opportunity to be in Ghana at the slave dungeon on Delta's Founders Day, 
January 13th, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is not even again about Delta. This is about there's women who poured into the women who are our founders. And that's who poured into us for us to be members today. So I was like, for me to be on the soil on our Founders Day, I got to represent all of us women to say, even though this is Delta's Founders Day, I am here on the soil and I have to let them know that these cannonballs who chained them, the cannonballs that chained them when they tried to be free are now not around my ankles. Mm. So I got to make sure that they hear and feel the rhythms of my free feet feet. that I returned to understand who I am and whose I am. And I'm back to tell them I haven't forgotten. They're not forgotten. And I now know who I am. And I'm trying to walk in the power of knowing the royal that I am. And of course, it's going to show up different ways. How do you walk? How do you talk? How do you how do you exist when you understand you are royal DNA? Yeah. I know it sounds sounds it probably off, but but if you walk and talk on that, what happens? And so to me, as you watch my last three years of life, it's just because I'm now a testimony and an example of understanding the royal I am and not making excuses for it anywhere I go in the world. You will respect my royalty. You will talk to me as royalty. I will represent my royalty. And let's see what happens from there. So when I'm in Africa... That's just who I am, you know, in terms of the dignitaries, in terms of the royal families, their acceptance of me, their teachings to me, their embracing of me is like nothing in my life, my life there. And it's funny because some Americans like Lisa Ray came over and she was like, girl, why do you ever leave? Right. You know, and and other actresses or people that 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 have caught me there when they come, they're like, okay, I get it now. You're not vacation no more. You live here. This is your life. I say, yeah, I live in Africa. I work in the U.S. When you look back over everything, I mean, you've had tremendous, tremendous success in the acting world, television world. And then I feel like black women, we get to a space where we're like, damn, I'm really this dope. Talk about your transformation to getting to that moment to say that. Because everybody reaches it at a, at, a, at a different point. I feel like I'm just reaching it like, okay, yeah, you really are. that. And you talk Ooh. about the last three years of your life, yeah. but there had to be your, 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 your marching orders to get to that point. I got rebaptized in the waters of Ghana. Okay. And um, my first day arriving um, in Ghana, one of the royal families uh, was part of our welcoming. I went with Full Circle Festival. That's Boris and Nicole and, oh, yeah, yeah. and Bosom of St. John. And that's my first trip. And in our first day there, one of the um, the royal families, Princess Okanzi, who's now not only a, a close, close friend, sister to me, but a business partner for some of the business in Africa, she was talking. Mm-hmm. And she stopped and, and spotted me. And she said, you, come here. The ancestors told me to tell you something. And I'm looking around. She's like, no, you sitting on the royal bench. And I was like, I didn't know it was a royal bench, but I wasn't sitting in no folding chair. Right, right, when, right. There's a, when there's an Africa bench and the folding chairs from Kmart, I was like, I would travel too far to sit in the folding chair. Right, so you went on the bench. decorated <laughs> bench. I had no idea it was a royal bench. Right. And she said, you who's sitting on the royal bench. I went over and she said, I have a message for you that's just for you. It didn't matter that there were a hundred people in the room. She grabbed me tight. I posted this on Instagram. She left fingerprints in my shoulder. She hugged me so tight. And in my ear, she said, you are royalty. The ancestors want you to know that they, they're they proud of you for returning home and your life will forever be different if you decide to represent who you really are. 
And all that you've experienced in America before you've arrived home is just the beginning. It's just the launching for who, where your life is really supposed to go. And if you welcome that, if you welcome that, if you surrender to that, you will have a blessing level that you've never, ever experienced that you can't even pray for. And you've seen that. You're see, you've seen that. And I just sobbed. I mean, it's on Instagram. I'll show it to you. I, got, I, I, I fell in her arms. One? I fell in her arms like I was a three-year-old kid. And, and she just kept saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. You're royal. You're welcome home. You were kidnapped. And you've been living a kidnapped life. And you found your way home. And this is your truth. So you can choose which is your truth. Is it what you've been taught in America or what we're getting ready to teach you here? And when I said, oh, no, 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 I can feel it. And then there were African, there were Ghanaians who were with us that said after that moment, they said, you know, we have this saying, and I wish I could remember it. And they're going to be mad at me that I can't remember the, in, in tweet. It's a term they use when someone has a, a rebirth mm-hmm. after they come home. And they said, yours is just starting. This trip is yours. Yeah. This is your rebirth. And that's even how I designed the AJ Aquia Rebirth Retreat, which is now every New Year's, December 31st to January 8th, which is around my birthday. Yeah. But, uh, but, but that was like December 28th. I got rebaptized in the waters of Ghana on 6 a.m., January 9th. And by the time I got home back to America, well, back to America, not home, the, the, um, the president's office, Diaspora Affairs in Ghana and the U.S. Embassy in Ghana contacted me and said, do you know that your trip garnished 40 million internet impressions? What? That's how many people watched your journey. And so there's an assignment on your life. And of course, you know, Princess Okanzi had already told me this. So it just started unraveling. And I said, before I got on the plane, back to your question, there's pieces of it, as you can hear. Before I got on the plane to come back to the U.S., I said, I cannot, oof, I cannot go unchanged. I cannot make this a great vacation. I got to take home the change and just let the chips fall where they may. But I'm changed. Yeah. I got renamed. So Aquia is, is, is the West, the West African name that had all of us been born in Africa. We are named by the the day of the week you're born. So I was born on a Wednesday. How about that first trip was my anniversary birthday. It was a Wednesday that year. And they taught me that they said, you're here on purpose this year. Because it's an anniversary birthday for you. You could have come. It only happens every seven years, right? right. Because every, every year your birthday is on the same day, seven years, every day of the week. So this was my anniversary birthday. That was another sign. And so I said, okay. And they said, so you're a queer. And then they just started calling me a queer. And they would say, AJ Aquia, because they knew that they knew me as AJ. Yeah. And then when I got completely renamed, the queen mother of the village that renamed me said that usually what happens is you don't see the public for seven days after birth and they watch your behavior. They watch your your reaction to sweet. They, They watch your reaction to sour. They watch your reaction to touch, to love, to hug. And that's how they name you after an ancestor that's gone before you. And so Otrebia, which is my full name, AJ Aquia Otrebia, I'm named after a pioneering warrior queen. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. And they said this one, they said she was strong and small, mighty mouse, didn't take no for an answer. Right. And they said, oh, they said she's pioneer. She'd be on the front line with the with the male soldiers with her fist in her hand. A spear in her hand. And so when they told me that that's who I was named after, I was in Ghana for a few more days after I got renamed. And I was so excited to say, I got renamed. And they're like, really, what's your name? And I said, Aquia Otribia. And they would fall to their, their, their knees. Oh, Nana, which means queen. Oh, Nana, Nana. That's a big responsibility. So before I even came back to America, I had learned by the natives, oh, that name carries power. How could I come home and be A.J. Johnson? 
Right. And that's why I was like, what, what, what changed when they were like, please say AJ Aquia Johnson. Now you know the story behind it. So once all of that happens, and I had to share all that with you because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, and I knew you were watching my journey. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, my decision to walk in the power of the royalty. Here I am renamed, which would have been my name had I not been the DNA of America. Right. So Johnson's some slave owner. Yeah. But AJ Aquia Otrubia. And watching the response to the locals of that name, I was like, oh, I've got that's an I've got to walk in that power. So I can't come home and just say that that's that was a nice thing that happened. That ceremony was beautiful. It was I have to own who I am. And so AJ Aquia. That's right. Well, I did my DNA from <gasps> a little swab, AfricanAncestry.com. I am, I'm West African from Guinea-Bissau. I'm a Fulani woman. I'm so Fulani. I need to go. That's why we got the cheekbones. I was going to say it's the cheekbones. It's the cheekbones. It's the nose and the cheekbones. It's the nose and the cheekbones. Look it up. (laughs) F-U-L-A-N-I. And how about, just think of this. We we will never really know because our bloodlines are 400 plus years old, Right. right? But our spirits tell us and the ancestral connection tells us. Always. So we're tribe. We are. That's why you're here. Yeah. So if we decide to walk in that, how does that look? It looks like I get on a plane and come see you. And it looks like you never have to ask me more than once to do anything because we're tribe. And that's what happened. We're Saras. Absolutely. Real sisters. Yeah. Regardless of what letters we chose. Cool Saras. Cool Saras. Come on now. Is that a promo? (laughs) Damn right it is. Right? Oh, that's good. When you look back over the span of your career... I mean, from all of the movies you've been in, television shows, all of these things, what sticks out to you that says that's AJ Aquia? Or are you beginning this journey as that person? Ooh, that's good. That's good. Um, mm, you know, nobody's ever asked me that. Um I feel like at uh, at this stage of my life, I'm looking back over, as you said, the career and the life choices. And I've always been her. I just didn't know it. You've always made bold decisions in your life. AJ Aquia. I've always taken care of me in, inside and out, AJ Aquia. I've always not really cared too much about what people said as long as my soul danced, AJ Aquia. Yeah. Um, I always understood that with my roles, with my public speaking, with my appearances on TV, that I was responsible for a message and it wasn't just a film. Mm. You know, even like with Baby Boy. Yeah. I I knew that when John decided that I was Juanita, I knew that there was a message I specifically was supposed to deliver to single moms in that struggle. That thing's good. AJ Aquia. I knew House Party. I knew that I was opening a door for brown-skinned women. Yes. You know, and and to not be just the ghetto friend, but, you know, the one who was was pulling the guys with the pretty smile and, and the dancer. I mean, that was the description of, of Shireen in House Party, the hot one in high school, the one that nobody could attain. And I was like, okay, assignment, AJ Aquia. So, so all my choices, professionally, personally, life choices, I feel like I've always been her. I just had to go home to learn the history behind that. It's like anybody kidnapped. You know, once you go home, I'm sure the families tell you what you've missed. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you learn who you were before you were raised to believe that you were part of that family. 
That's not true. Mm -hmm. You were kidnapped and taught to be part of that family. But your DNA is African. So even now, now that I'm there, you know, my friends and my family there, when I say like, you know, African-American, they say, no, you are not American. You are African. Yeah. You know, stop saying that you are not American. You are African. And I say, okay, all right. You know, because they know they know that I'm a spirit of teach me. Yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, yeah. going there. I'm constantly a spirit of teach me. I want to learn the language. I want to learn the food. I want to learn the dancing. And that's what you're watching. Yeah. You're learning me be a spirit of teach me. Dang. That's a choice. It is. Amen. Amen. You've always been an open book, too. And um, just recently you <laughs> decided to tell everybody, which is a beautiful thing. Let me sit with that. Mm -hmm. uh, what you did for yourself and your own beauty <laughs> and your own physical fulfillment of life. Yeah. What you did on a certain birthday. And yeah. people had people wanted to talk about what you did for yourself. Yeah. The, the, the internet broke. The internet's broke. Yes. Why did you decide to share? Because I, I knew even at that point, um, again, and, and one of my assignments for, oh, let me, let me back up. Okay. So, so every New Year's, I go to Ghana um, for my new assignment from the ancestors. I, I stand in the water, and this is part of the retreat. Every sunrise, New Year's Day, the retreat starts with us in the water, praying, meditating, asking the ancestors for our new assignment for the year, asking for explanation and understanding of whatever didn't happen the year before, and 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 the courage and the consistency and the um, the confirmation to move forward. And so that's how the retreat starts. The retreat is built off of my every year before the retreat. So that's what I do every year. Yeah. And this particular year, last year I was given the assignment. Last year, uh, twenty going into twenty one, the assignment was elevation. Mm -hmm. 21, 22, the assignment was not just elevation, but teach people why you can't stay. Teach people why you can't it's stay. It's not just, it's, you can't just elevate anymore. You got to teach people why you can't stay. You feel me? I do. And so that, that's was, that was January. So when we got to this interview, and I know that, I know that Lip Service Podcast is about women and sexuality. Yeah, I yeah. knew that. And so I knew that, again, my elevation and teaching people why I can't stay where they thought I was is that I was going to empower women to do a couple of things. To live their truth, to not be afraid to speak their truth, um, to not be um, held down by what society says they're supposed to be to not be chained any longer by a domestic male opinion. Um, I've traveled, I've been traveling the world for a long time. And so the men that I've been meeting are of different spiritual practice. They're of different cultures. Um, they're of different um, spiritual beliefs. And so a lot of who I was meeting, um, I was really attracted to. And not just the American you know, brother from Detroit and what he thinks I'm supposed to be. And no, no offense to that. It's just, I had grown to be more than that at this point. And I said, you know what? If I live my global being, if I live my global royal place, then what is there to hide? Because in Senegal, and this is what really gave me freedom. I spent Ramadan in Senegal in mm -hmm. 2021. And to watch brothers and children drop to their knees, wash their hands, wash their feet, wash their faces to pray five times a day. I finally stopped and asked some friends of mine that were Muslim. And of course, it's a Muslim country. So the whole country is doing this right. during Ramadan. I said, what, what, at what age does this start? And they said nine or 10 years old. 
And I said, so you've been praying five times a day since you were nine or 10 years old. That's a different spirit in a man than a man who's American who doesn't do that and who's in church every Sunday thinking that that's a spirituality. No offense, but, but again, God is showing me a different level of everything. So I've been looking for a different level of intimacy. I'm looking for a different level of sensuality, not necessarily even sexual, but just a different level of intimacy. Yes. You know, hold my hand, yes. pray with me, mm-hmm. you know, move the hair out of my face, Ooh. kiss my forehead as you pray. Like things that I had witnessed, I started looking for. And the fact that I ended up in a culture where I found that I, in, and from two different men. And I finally said, because I was only there for a certain amount of time. And I said to one man, so I can't spend so much time with you because I have someone else I'm also interested in. And he said, I would like to meet him to make sure that he's worthy. Right. And I was like, I, I think that's awesome. As a friend. Right. He said, I want to make sure that he's worthy. And I told the other guy and he said, well, I need to make sure he's worthy, too. And we all became friends. And then the friendship turned into more sensuality and intimacy. And just one this particular birthday, I was like, I don't know who I want to spend my birthday with. And they said, well, you're not supposed to choose. They said that. Yeah. They said, we're supposed to service you on your birthday. We're supposed to celebrate you. Hey, what that service would like. Girl, that's off the air. (laughs) But let me tell you something. It changed my life. (laughs) Cheers. Just ask. Listen, mm, mm. I have never had a more sensual, intimate, all about me experience ever. It was the most, I've never met men so selfless in my life. And so it was like, I was uncomfortable because it was all about me. Wow. That, that, that's how foreign it was. Right. Because I was I was uncomfortable that it was all about me rubbing my feet, rubbing my hands. You got a tension spot in your neck. And so that's why even when it came out, I was like, you know, you guys are thinking too shallow. You're thinking it's a train and it's sexual. I never said it was sexual. I said it was the most amazing experience of my life. I called it a threesome because it was three of us. And it was and it was it was consensual. Right. And so that's why I said, well, maybe it was polyamorous because I've never felt more loved in my life. My goodness. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to have that response. It just came out. I've never felt more loved in my life. What was the backlash and how did you... Like, it, I don't even want to call it backlash. What was the response of your admission of this amazing experience? It broke the internet. And there were, it was, you know, people were, you know, name calling. Um, I lost a few corporate engagements because they felt like, you know, that, that admittance was not necessarily... Um, aligned, aligned with their admission. Right. Um, but but for the most part, it was you go, girl. Teach us your ways. I mean, my retreat that was coming up in February, I did the interview in January. My retreat that was coming up in sold February, out. sold out. Women were like, girl, I just need to be around you. Like, I need to just, you know, your freedom. And it wasn't even about, are there going to be men there? You know, a couple of ignorants were, were saying, you know, right, right. it's going to be my turn if right. I come. But for the most part, <laughs> child, <laughs> you know, right. Like, like, I'm, like, I'm, like I'm hosting a retreat right, about right. threesomes. Right, right. Uh, I said, that's not this retreat, but we'll talk about it. Right. Um, but but most women were saying just your freedom and your your willingness to, you know, your your the peace you have with who you are. Right. And your willingness to share for the sake of empowering other women. That's what it was about. And I knew that was my assignment. So so again, to answer your question, I knew I was on assignment to share, to empower other women. Right. And everybody was saying, you know, you're saying what other women want to say. You're, I'm sure there's more women who have done it more than me that just have never said anything about it. Right. And so here I am saying, yeah, you know, and, and I guess Angela, he asked me, she said, you know, if you had a chance to do it, would you do that? And I was like, I kind of already have. And, that's and she I was like, what? what? 
I said, yeah, girl, best situation in my life. Right. And as with any great journalist like Angela Lee, Angela Yee, she went in and said, tell me more. Tell me more about it. Exactly. And so people have said, would you do it again? I have done it again. And, um, you know, I'm a monogamous spirit. That's who I am. But again, as a global citizen, um, if I don't find a man that pleases me mentally, spiritually, physically, then what's wrong if I have two or three? Wow. And it's, I, I just feel like there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I feel the same way. Because, I mean, you talk about your real life. I play a character on um, Tyler Perry's All yes, the she, Queen's Men. Yes. Miss Tandy, who is very free. Very. And then when she approaches season two, they bring in her husband and she's even more free because he likes freedom. Um, you talked about this in your real life. This was a fictional character. And I feel like um, even playing a fictional character, I've had eyes on me and people who have judged me for choosing that role. Um, it has been, for the last four or five months, it has been It's been difficult. Why? Because I've always been a person that, um, I'm a cancer. So there's a people pleaser in me that I've shunned now. But I never thought that the higher, I realized, even Biggie said it, you know, more money, more problems and all that. I just didn't think that that was going to be me. I didn't think that I was going to have um, people that didn't like me because I was always everybody's homegirl. Um, so it's been difficult to try to be an example for freedom for women, but also stand up to the antiquated ideals of what people think you're supposed to be. Ooh. So let me say this. The, the, the freedom that you've been watching from me and, and, and within me um, understanding who I am, regardless of perceptions, is the choice I decided to walk in. You know who you are. You know who you are. And not everyone is going to agree with that. But that's not your business. Your business is to be who God's called you to be. And, you know, sometimes we can't control what transportation God uses to usher the lessons through us. So he'll take certain things to us and then push it through us. So again, while that situation for me, that, that wasn't about me divulging my personal business. That was me empowering women to speak up for themselves. And I feel the same way about my character because she don't care. Well, so... You know, there's part of you who, as an actress, has to bring truth to that role. I hope you feel yes, that way. Absolutely. I know you, so I know that's true. Um, but you have to walk in that because you can't play her to the depth that that you are talented and smart enough to play if you're blocked by people's perceptions. You have to dive into her whole, wholeheartedly, whole solely and represent who she is. 
So even that, you're you're acting. So you can be very different in your life as Rashawn than 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 as that character. Yeah. And for the people who don't praise you for your work, they're not supposed to go anyway. And of course, we already know everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. You know, I'm doing a project now um, with Ving Rhames, believe it or not. Really? We are. That's all I'm going to say right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. We're back on screen together after 20 years. I love it. So do I. And, um, you know, what's really beautiful about it is that nothing's changed, you know, and I'm, I'm bringing him up because... You know, we have this connection, um, not only the chemistry on camera, but connections as friends where we give each other permission and approval to be the best we can be within ourselves. And then it just pours out on screen, um, not intimidated, not insecure, um, making choices for that character. Yeah. And so I want to share that with you, sister to sister, Soror. Yeah. Um, and say, you got you to gotta let all that go. And do your job. You've been you've been assigned to be this woman, and you're representing women that you may never meet. You know, you're representing women that you may never meet. So you have an obligation and a duty to them to be this particular spirit to the fullest. And I will say this: I mean, not that this is what we're talking about, but a lot of times, if I find a role, like even when I did Baby Boy, I didn't know anything about being a single mom. I didn't know anything about living in South Central. I mean, I'm AJ Johnson from Spelman College, dual degree. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I was like, um, and even John Singleton, my friend, rest his soul, yeah. right? He said, you know, AJ Johnson from Spelman has no place in this, so you need to do what you got to do to let her go. Yeah. And it's, what it's I letting Rashawn go. It's letting the, the the magna cum laude broadcast journalist, mother, wife, dog in the backyard, too, you, like all of that. That ain't this. That ain't this. That ain't this. And so what you can do is you can incorporate the conflict into her soul. What's her, what's her name again? Miss Tandy. Miss Tandy, yes. yes. The, the, she got conflict going on. She does. Now, where the conflict's coming from is up to you. Because mm -hmm. we don't really know that. That's your backstory, right? As right, an actress. Right. But you can use all that to create the conflict that Miss Tandy has to portray through the eyes and through body language. And, and then you're being really real. Oh, she's real. Wait, I know. Wait till you see season two. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, it's a whole thing. I love it. And it's stretching you as a woman. It's it stressing. Is. It, I'm, I'm watching it. Yeah, it is. You're being stretched. Completely. And, and we can't judge how God chooses to stretch us. You just have to say, Lord, I'm flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because where you're taking me is someplace I don't even know to pray for. Yeah. What do you think this policing of black women's bodies come from? Other black women? A little bit. Um, I, I think that um, we're very, very uncomfortable in our independence where we've been taught to be better at traveling in packs in our minds, in our spirits. You know, I'll be with a group of women. You know, come go with me to the bathroom. Why? I ain't got there's nothing I can do in there. I can't stand that friend. They'll be like, Girl, come to the bathroom. Why? I why? can't be with you. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'll be here when you get back. Right. Um, that That's something that we've been taught as well as our mentalities, you know, and again, in that situation, I, I, I was sitting on, on Instagram for days, purposely answering women, you know, because again, I understood it was an assignment when somebody would say, you know, um, that's just hoish. And I would say, well, that sounds like a mentality that hasn't traveled very far. Ooh. You know what I mean? Because in Senegal, you know, a man can legally have four wives and they each have a position in that man's life. So if they're okay with that, 
then that's just a different part of the world. You don't have to agree to that, but why judge it? Hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to agree with my choices, but why judge it? I don't judge when you're overweight. It's just not my choice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So why are we judging each other? So I think it comes from that whole, we're afraid to be independent thinkers. We're afraid to be independent walkers. We're afraid to be independent souls. And I think a lot of times men also help fertilize that dependence on what he thinks of us and what we're supposed to do. Yeah. But see, now here you got somebody like me going, you know, you you can't even have a conversation with me unless you got new pages in your passport. Unless you got four currencies in your wallet. What are we going to talk about? Yeah. I can go anywhere in the world from here. So if you're going to talk to me, you got to have Ghana SETI, euros from London, the U.S. dollar from America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just because you never know where you're going to end up. That's then we can have a conversation. That's a beautiful thing. You got to be, you have got to be a person with worldly option. So I just think it, it comes from that. We're, we're still operating in the slave mentality, no pun intended. Yeah. But I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. And that's why to me, my platform, even from that situation was be a woman, be a man of global options. Be a woman and man of global options. And what does that look like for you? Stop going on a soul jazz cruise. Run a yacht with your friends. Wow. Sell Greece. Just see, just because. You know, check and see what the rates are for a weekend in Paris. Have lunch on the Eiffel Tower. Stop going to Shake and Shake. Is that the name of it? I don't know. Shake and Shake. And I think, I think that's I, it. I, Shake and Shake. Sh- shake and Shake. Look, I don't even know in right. Jesus' name. Right. Wow. I don't even know the name. Yeah. But be a person of global options and just see how that looks on you. It looks great on you. Does it? Shit. Yes. I love you. I when love are you coming you. with me? I'm, can we... Yes. Yes. I want to do the Ghana trip. I want to take. Yes. The Ghana retreat. We, 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 because we have, we have similar missions when it comes to the divine nine, very similar missions that we can collaborate on. It's all about collaboration for me in this, in this, in this part of my life. Let's collaborate in some way, shape or form. And how about, I'm not even looking for similar that way. I know that we have pledged our lives to service. Mm -hmm. And even though years ago it looked different. Yeah. The fact that we're now just in service, how does that look and how does that manifest? And in a different country, in a different part of the world, it's going to manifest differently. I mean, part of even at the retreat, but part of my my work as a philanthropist in Ghana is, you know, I've got Village of Hope um, orphanage and they take kids off the street and teach them a, a skill so that by the time they're 18 and they're released back into the, the city, they have a skill set. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter who we are when we show up as long as the kids get fed right mentally spiritually and nutritionally right that may be a project you know i work for focus hospital i'm an ambassador for the hospital they're taking in kids from all over the world who can't afford spinal surgeries life-threatening life-threatening issues that we as americans don't know anything about because we get spinal tested when we're when we're young right so our curvatures don't necessarily get over maybe 20 percent. these kids are walking around with 80 percent curvatures like like life-threatening i never knew any of this so that's what I'm saying. The, the, the world issues, the global issues don't care what symbols we have on our T-shirt. Right. What work are you doing for the community and the greater good of our people? Let's go serve, sis. I'm ready. Amen. Absolutely. I would love it. We didn't even talk about all the TV, uh, the, 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 the life therapy, all the things you got going on with TV One. And <laughs> I mean, even, this was about AJ Aquia Johnson, you, the person. Amen. And what you are and how you're showing up in the world. 
Well, you know, a cool Sarah shows up all over the place. On TV One with Life Therapy, on VH1 with Couples Retreat. And on the what? Cool Sarah Podcast. On the podcast. Cool Sarah. You see, you, hit, you said it for me. Okay, go ahead. And on the Cool Sarah Podcast. Yes. Wow. I mean, this could literally be a part two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> Let's do it. Because we could go. But I, I just, I am just, I am just thankful. I, I didn't know I was going to cry. But I knew that this would be a space that if I could talk about it, it would be with you. Because the other part we didn't say that a cool Sarah is, is a safety net. Ooh. Thank you for being my safety net today. You're never going to fall with me, boo. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can and you I touch say, me? Absolutely. I love you. AJ, Aquia <laughs> Johnson. Did I, I say it right? Listen, you, and you said it with the passion they do. AJ, Aquia. 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 <laughs> listen, this has been absolutely fantastic. It's everything I thought it would be and more. Um, I cannot wait till we go to Ghana. I can't wait. And do this live with other Kusors in the D9. Um, Kubras. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not? And we yes. do that thing together. God, God's already fun. started it. So I'm just waiting for you to come with me. Well, I'm, I'll just book the flight. There we go. There we go. Done and done. Done and done. I love you. I love you. And I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for just being obedient to the call on your life. Mm. Because of that, you are here with me today. AJ Aquia Johnson. Cheers, everybody. Whoa, whoa. That thing right. I knew it would be.